Welcome to Thrive Church. We are so happy that you are here with us today. I'm Judah, uh, pastor here at Thrive, and we welcome you here. If this is your first time, we especially welcome you here to Thrive. And, and we are in the middle of a series right now called Restored. Actually, we're at the end of the series. Next week, we're going to be starting a brand new series, and it's going to be called Deconstructed faith. You know, so many people talk about deconstructing their faith, and generally what that means is that they've been brought up a certain way, believing certain things, and they're not so sure why they believe what they believe. So we're going to be deconstructing some things uh, over the next couple weeks. That's starting next week. We'd invite you to come and encourage you to invite a friend as well, especially if you are uh, maybe deconstructing your faith or having some difficulties wondering uh, what is going on uh, with your faith. But this week we're concluding our series on Restored. And the whole idea of this series is that, that God wants to bring restoration, that God specializes in restoring people and restoring lives. Now, has anybody here ever bailed out on something? Like there was something and you just bailed out of it. Okay, a couple of you in here uh, brave enough to admit it. Um, we, I, I did years ago. Uh, years ago, um, I, I heard of this opportunity. Maybe you've heard of similar opportunities where somebody comes up and says, you know, uh, I haven't seen you in a while, and it's glad to, glad to reconnect with you. Uh, I just happen to have a business opportunity for you. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Multi-level marketing. It's not a pyramid scheme, although it is in the shape of a pyramid. Um, but, uh, but we got involved with this multi-level marketing thing with, with these vitamins and all this stuff. And, and after just a very short period of time, my wife and I are like, you know, this is just not for us. Like, we just can't go to all of our friends and family and try to sell overpriced vitamins to them. So, so we said, you know, we're going to have to step out. And, and, and our sponsor was like, I can't believe you're bailing out. I was like, well, get used to it, buddy, because we are bailing out of this opportunity. Maybe you've bailed out of something before. Or, or you know, it's, what's even worse than that is somebody, somebody bailing out on you. Has anybody ever had that happen where somebody bails out on you? You know, you're going on a trip somewhere. You're going to be doing something with somebody. Uh, maybe you're married to somebody, and they just bailed out, right? It's like, like you, you've been bailed out on. For me, the, the most common thing that it seems like I get bailed out on now is um, Facebook Marketplace, right? It's like, like I go to list something for sale, and somebody's like, oh, is this still for sale? I'm like, yeah, I'll hold it for you. They're like, okay, I'll be there at 6 o'clock. And then like 7 o'clock that night, they're like, I'm sorry, I'm not coming. And, and that's the nice ones. The, the not nice ones just don't even respond. Like, like they just bail out, and I'm like, you know, sad all evening because they bailed. Um, it's a bad feeling when somebody, somebody bails out on you. You know, in the story that we're going to be talking about today is a story of betrayal. It's a story of, of division. It's a story of somebody bailing out. And it's a story, ultimately, of res restoration. That's why we're calling the series Restored. Because I believe, in your notes, if you're taking them, that God specializes in restoring broken people. Anybody in here broken or have ever been broken before? Okay, everybody needs to have your hand up for that one. I mean, it, some of you are just like, I'm just too broken. I can't raise my hands today. Um, you know, we've all gone through times of brokenness. Well, God specializes in restoring broken people. Last week, if you were here, we talked about Peter. If you've ever been to church before, surely you've heard of, of Peter. And, and Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples, one of his closest friends. And, and Peter denied even knowing Jesus. 
He told people, of in, uh, inconsequential people, he told them, he's like, I don't even know Jesus. I don't know him. I've never met him before. And he betrayed knowing Jesus, denied knowing Jesus three different times. The rooster crowed. Jesus was crucified, comes back to life again. And at this point, Peter would have probably considered himself disqualified. But Jesus set up an opportunity for Peter to affirm his love for Jesus three times different times and and peter was restored not only was peter restored but but a week or two later the holy spirit comes and empowers peter and peter is no longer the the denying betraying peter but now he begins to preach with boldness he's preaching with boldness and when he preaches thousands are coming to faith in jesus christ this person who less than a month earlier, or about a month and a half earlier, denied even knowing Jesus is now preaching God's word with boldness. And, and people are coming to faith, and the church is expanding and growing. And whenever something good is expanding and growing, the government wants to get involved. And that's what they did. They're like, oh, what's going on here? And the government gets involved, and they start persecuting the early church. They start arresting some of the leaders and teachers. They start arresting people and throwing them into prison. The church is suffering persecution, and then James is put to death. James was one of the 12 disciples. We know Jesus had 12 of his closest followers, and out of the 12, there was three that were like in his inner circle Peter, John, and James. James and John were brothers, and James was arrested by King Herod Agrippa and then subsequently put to death for his faith. And this made the Jewish leaders happy. So, since it made the Jewish leaders so happy, King Agrippa said, well, I'll arrest another one then, and I'll put him to death too. Let's see, who's the number one on the list? Peter, okay, let's arrest him. Sends out guards and arrests Peter. Brings him to prison, and he was guarded by four squads of four soldiers. Do the math, that's 16, I think. I had a check just a few minutes ago. 16 soldiers are guarding Peter, this is a high-profile case. This is a high-profile prisoner. King Herod Agrippa does not want Peter escaping from this situation, so he has 16 guards watching over him. We find Peter sleeping at night, chained up between two guards. It wasn't enough to simply put him in a cell, but they chained him between two guards, and then there was other guards outside of the cell keeping watch. Peter wakes up because an angel of the Lord appears in his cell. Peter's chains drop off from his hands, and the angel speaks to him and says, get dressed, we're busting out of here. Now Peter, he can't believe his eyes. He's, he just thinks that he's hallucinating. Maybe he's having a dream, a vision. Maybe he's in a trance of some sort. And so he's like, okay, whatever. And he's kind of in a daze, and the angel leads him past the guards and out of the cell and out of the jail. And they're walking down the road towards the gate of the town, the iron gate. Uh, of the town opens up on its own and Peter's like wow this is a really trippy dream and they go through the gate and just as quickly as it all began it ended and the angel was gone and now here's Peter in the middle of the night in the middle of a road out in the middle of nowhere and he realizes at that moment 
that it was not a dream. It says in Acts chapter 12, verse 11, it says, Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. They planned to execute him. Verse 12 says, when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He went to the home of Mary, mother of John Mark. We're going to be talking about John Mark uh, as uh, we, we continue on. John Mark, I don't know, he strikes me as a redneck because only in the South do we give people two first names, right? Like, like, like you know, Billy Bob or something. You got John Mark. He's a real redneck here. Actually, uh, he had two names because John was the most popular Jewish name of the day, and Mark was the most popular Roman name of the day. And many people who were Jewish but also had Roman, uh, they were Roman citizens, would have two names, and they would go by, which one they would go by would depend on what audience they were in at the time. So here is John Mark first mentioned at the home of Mary. Mary's his mother. And many people are gathered for prayer there. Mary uh, most likely was very wealthy. Uh, most likely her husband had passed away. And she was very wealthy. And she had a house big enough to, uh, to keep the entire church there. I mean, this was a big house. And, and Peter knew exactly where to go. Now, I don't know if this is true or not. It doesn't say in Scripture. But many theologians make a very strong case for the fact that it was probably Mary's house that the Last Supper was held in. So Peter would have known this house very well. And, and not only that, if this was a, a house where the early church was meeting, they were all gathered together, and they were praying for Peter. It says, the mother. he goes to the house, the home of uh, Mary, mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. Verse 13 he knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. And when she recognized Peter's voice, so clearly she knew Peter. She had heard him speak before because she recognized him not by sight but by his voice. She recognized his voice, and she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone that Peter is standing at the door. Now, you would think that she would do the courteous thing and open the door for the poor guy in the middle of the night who's just escaped from jail. But no, she just says, wow, it's Peter, and runs. He's probably, hold on, hold on. I'm out here in the cold. She runs in, tells everybody, Peter is standing at the door. Verse 15, I love this. This is crazy. She says, you're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they said, it must be his angel. Now, now, let's remember what they're doing here. They're gathered together for prayer for Peter. They're there praying for Peter's release and his safe return. And here, the girl says, Peter is standing at the door. They're like, you're crazy. There's no way he got out of there. Meanwhile, Peter's there. He just keeps knocking. Hello? Hello? Anybody there? Hello? He keeps knocking. And when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. You know, isn't it a sad day when a praying church doesn't expect God to answer? Like, like here they are. They're praying for Peter's release. God, please deliver Peter. Please save him. Oh, he's at the door. No, he's not. There's no way that God could have done that. What are, what are we doing? What are we doing? If we're praying and not believing God, 
to answer. Do we ever pray out of duty and not expect God to answer? Well, I'm just going to pray because it's the right thing to do, but I clearly don't expect God to do this. I mean, this is too big for God to handle, or, or this is too small for God to handle. God doesn't have time for, for things like this. Do we ever pray out of duty not expecting God to answer? In your notes, never underestimate the power of prayer. Never underestimate the power of a praying church, of a praying husband, wife, child, Co-worker, boss, never underestimate the power of prayer. It's the one time that we're communicating with our Heavenly Father, the Creator of all, the one who is all-powerful. So we were just introduced to John Mark briefly. He's the main character of our story today. But there's another character worth mentioning that's connected to this story, and his name is Barnabas. Now, Barnabas most likely was John Mark. I'm going to call him Mark for the most, uh, most part. It was Mark's older cousin. Barnabas was Mark's older cousin. And Barnabas was a very wealthy and generous person. One of the first things we know about Barnabas was that he sold a piece of land and he brought all of the money from the sale of the land and gave it to the church and he financed the early church. He was wealthy, he was well off, and he was related to Mary who was also well off. Now, Barnabas was an early church leader. And Barnabas and a guy named Saul, who you may know of as the Apostle Paul, they're going to take a trip taking money and supplies to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, it had been prophesied that they were going to have some very, very difficult times. So Barnabas took Saul, and they went on this journey to bring resources to the church in Jerusalem. They finally returned from that trip, and then they decide they're going to go on a missionary trip. They're going to travel throughout the known world, and they're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, establishing churches as they go. And that's where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 13, verse 4. It says, So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Here we see John Mark mentioned again, going with them as an assistant. They chose to take him along. Barnabas probably had vouched for him. See, Barnabas was good at doing that. Barnabas had taken a risk on Saul. When Saul had encountered Jesus and transformed his life, Saul began preaching, but nobody believed that Saul could actually be following Jesus because previously he had been throwing Christians in jail. But Barnabas took a risk. He brought him before the 12 apostles and said, I think we should give this guy a try. Now we see them going on a missionary trip to establish the early church. Barnabas took a risk on Saul, and now he's bringing along John Mark. So Mark came to serve them in any way possible. Anything that they needed, taking notes and running errands and fetching things and making accommodations, that was the uh, primary reason why Mark was going with them on this trip. But what a great opportunity. You know, he, he had an opportunity to be mentored by two of the uh, most prominent church leaders of the day, Barnabas and Saul, also known as Paul. This was a huge opportunity for him, but we find very quickly that he blew the opportunity because he bailed. Acts chapter 13, verse 13. It says, Paul and his companions then left Paphos by ship 
for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. They're on their trip only partway through, and we don't know what happened, but something happened that caused Mark to bail on his cousin Barnabas and Saul or Paul. We don't know if he was scared or if he was homesick. Maybe he was homesick. We know that he was pretty young, so maybe he was homesick. Maybe he was scared because the early church was undergoing a lot of persecution. People were getting arrested. People were getting tortured and put to death. Maybe he was afraid. Or another interesting thing happened around this time. We always see Barnabas and Saul mentioned in that order. Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul. But at this time, we see it change gears, and now it's Paul and Barnabas, implying that Paul kind of took over the leadership role. And maybe, maybe Mark did not like, you know, Paul leading. He'd rather have Uncle Barney leading the call. And so Mark bails out. Now, none of these excuses matter to Paul. And, and you know, I, I, I've seen this happen so many times in ministry as well, where people start with good intentions. They start very zealous for God. They want to make an impact. They want to do great things, but ultimately they don't have the determination to keep moving forward. And that's what happened with Mark. Something happened in his life where he said, you know what? I would rather endure the embarrassment of going back home and everybody asking what happened. I'd rather do that than continue moving forward. Scripture says that, that you know, if we're anyone that's put their hand to the plow should not look back. In other words, if you're going to do something for the kingdom of God, don't turn around, don't look back. And so Paul, he was very frustrated by this. It's very easy for us to write off people who bail. Somebody bails out on you. It's easy for us to, to write them off. But isn't it good to know, isn't it good to know in your notes that God will never write you off? He will never write you off. It doesn't matter if you've bailed on him. It doesn't matter if you've betrayed him and denied him. God will never write you off. Paul, on the other hand, he had no time for people like that. I, I, mean, I mean, we know the Apostle Paul. Like, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. He was a great man of God. He preached with boldness. He did some amazing things, but he did not have time for people who weren't interested in advancing the church. And this wasn't an easy trip that they were on. In fact, this trip that Mark bailed out on, we know that, that Barnabas and Paul, they got kicked out of several towns because what they were preaching enraged the people. We also know that at one time, Paul was stoned with stones so much, not stoned like, you know, any other kind of weird, illicit thing, you know. He was stoned with rocks. They, they threw rocks at him. With the intent of killing him, they thought he was dead. They drug him to the outskirts of town to let him die. Miraculously, he didn't die, but he got up and continued on. So, so this was a very hardcore missionary journey, and they needed somebody who would have their back. They needed somebody to support them, but Mark had bailed. Mark had bailed, and Paul did not forget that easily. You know, we've all felt abandoned at some point in time in our life. We probably can all identify with what Paul was going through. Somebody you thought would be there for you is not there anymore. Somebody that had committed something to you did not follow through on their commitment. 
When I was a, a teenager, I had a band with a couple of friends, and, and, and the, the front man of the band, he was our, our lead singer and our keyboard player, and he was like our songwriter and the star of the band, and, and we were just kind of like the support for him, and we're, we're practicing, we're practicing, we get a gig, and the gig goes well, we get a second gig, and it's that Saturday night, and like on Thursday that week, he's like, I'm done, I'm out. We're like, what? Like, you can't just bail out on us like that. You know, they're paying us like 20 bucks to be there. And he bailed. And in that time, you know, it was very difficult to understand why somebody would bail in a situation such as this. We've all gone through times where we feel betrayed, where we feel frustrated about the situations of life. So Barnabas and Paul, they return from this missionary trip. They take some time to rest, recuperate, and then they prepare for another trip. They want to go back and they want to visit all the churches that they started. It says in Acts 15, verse 36, it says, After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the believers, the new believers, are doing. Barnabas agreed and he said he wanted to take along who? John Mark. He wants to take along his cousin again. He wants to bring John Mark along for the ride. But in verse 38, it says, but Paul disagreed strongly. <laughs> we know what that means. He disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them and their work. In Paul's mind, he's like, I gave him a chance before. I gave him the opportunity to come and to do God's work, but he bailed on us, and since he bailed on us, there is no way that I'm letting him come on another trip with us. It says in verse 39, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. The, the, the power duo, Barnabas and Paul, who would travel everywhere establishing churches, now disagreed so sharply that they separated, and Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted them to the Lord's gracious care. There was dispute between Paul and Barnabas. There was anger, and eventually they had to agree to disagree, and Paul's like, I'm going this way, Barnabas, and you can go that way. They parted ways. See, Paul was all about reaching people and establishing churches and reaching the masses. Barnabas, on the other hand, was more about mentoring. Barnabas was more about encouraging and believing in people, giving people another chance and another chance. We know Barnabas was an encourager, always building people up. So he wanted to give Mark the same opportunity that he had given to Paul. He wanted to give him a chance to make a difference for the kingdom of God. He didn't want Mark's past to define his future. Do we ever allow our past to define our future? He wanted to, in your notes, extend forgiveness and grace to someone who doesn't deserve it. Can we do that? Can we extend forgiveness and grace to someone who doesn't deserve it? Or are we in full support of a cancel culture? Oh, you don't deserve it, so you're canceled. Instead, here, what we see Barnabas doing is he's not canceling Mark. No, he's extending forgiveness. He's extending grace to him. So we don't know what happened on this trip with Barnabas. They kind of go off grid. We don't know what happened, but we do know 
that Barnabas helped to bring restoration to Mark. We do know that Mark began to follow Christ more closely. Had it not been for Barnabas, this may have been the end for John Mark. He was a deserter after all. He had bailed out on the missionary work. But now, because of the second chance that Barnabas gave him, we see that God still had plans for him. See, God had more in store for John Mark. And guess what? In your notes, God has more in store for you. Isn't that exciting to know that no matter what your past is, that God has more in store for you? That God wasn't finished with Mark, just as he wasn't finished with Peter. When Peter denied even knowing Jesus, Jesus was not finished with Peter. Jesus was not finished with using Mark. Speaking of Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13, Peter is writing a letter, and in this letter, look what he says in the conclusion. Usually we skip over the endings because it's like, say hi to this person, hi to that person, howdy to this person, oh, thank this person for me. And we're like, okay, none of that means anything. But here, look what Peter says as he's concluding this book, this letter of First Peter, your sister church in Babylon that wasn't the real Babylon. Peter was actually in Rome, and that was a code word because they were under persecution. So he was saying Babylon instead of Rome, so they wouldn't send any signals about where their churches were located. He says, your sister church here in Babylon sends you your greetings, and so does my son, Mark. So does my son, Mark. This wasn't a biological son. See, this was a son of the faith, somebody who Peter knew very well, somebody who Peter had mentored. Somewhere along the line, John Mark had hooked up with Peter. The reality is, is that Peter knew Mark for years and years and years. If you uh, reflect back into the story of when Jesus was arrested, there was an individual only mentioned in the book of Mark and, and, and the way that it's written is that this young guy was following along as Jesus was getting arrested. And a guard reaches out and grabs his jacket. And the kid takes off running naked without his jacket on. He was the first streaker in the Bible. And many people assume that was probably John Mark. We also know that Peter knew John Mark because of the home of Mary. That's where the church was meeting. So Peter knew John Mark and at some point took him under his wing. And now, now, Mark had traveled with Peter. Many people uh, uh, come to the conclusion that Mark was probably a translator for Peter in Rome. He was translating as Peter would preach. He was writing things that Peter wanted written down. And so he hears Peter's stories. He hears the stories of Jesus. He had experiences of his own, much like this one in the garden. And Mark begins to write, and he begins to restore, record the stories of Jesus Christ. And he pens the gospel according to Mark that we read in the New Testament. Now, when we read the gospels, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Mark is the second in order, but the reality of it is, is it was the first one that was written. So they did not have written records of the miracles and the teachings of Jesus until Mark, after hearing the stories of Peter, began to write these things down, writing the first gospel. Through the work of Barnabas, through the work of Peter, John Mark was restored. And in your notes, God wants to use you to restore 
others. God wants to use you. Just like Barnabas was used to restore John Mark, just as Barnabas was used to restore Paul, God wants to use you. Throughout this series, we've been talking about how God wants to restore you and restore your life. But maybe, just maybe, God wants to use you to restore others. You know, Barnabas was influential in the early church, and, and he helped to restore Mark, who Mark became influential in the early church. And he was the first written account of Jesus Christ to be widely spread. Churches were teaching out of this document that he had written. But you know what's even more amazing is that Mark also became, became restored to the Apostle Paul. We see in Colossians, Paul writing, you know, he's saying, I'm so thankful for John Mark who has helped me. And at the end of Paul's life, he requests some things. Paul is uh, in prison. He's been sentenced to die. And he writes to Timothy asking for some things, asking for some books and some clothes and such things as that. And we see here, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loved the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. But look at this last sentence here. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. See, through the restoration power of Jesus Christ, through the efforts of Barnabas and Peter, now Paul is seeing, you know what? This guy is being useful. This guy is somebody that I need here to help me to advance the kingdom. Paul realizes that his days are numbered and he wants John Mark to be there with him. So the story today is about how God restored John Mark to usefulness. Maybe you're here and you've broken trust with somebody. Maybe you've ran out. Maybe you've run out on God. Maybe there was a time in your life where you were following God, but, but much like Mark, things came up. Fears came up. Anxieties and worries and doubts came up. And you turned the other way. And it's easy for others to write us off. And sometimes it's easy for us to write ourselves off. Perhaps you feel like you failed, you've dropped the ball. Well, I'm here to tell you today that God wants to restore you, that God can still use you. And the story today, although it's about John Mark, it's also about Barnabas, that maybe God wants to use you to restore other people. Maybe, maybe God wants to use you to go and forgive someone. See, this is a story of forgiveness, forgiving someone who's hurt you, forgiving someone who's betrayed you, giving a second chance to somebody that, in all honesty, doesn't deserve it. See, success and failure are never far apart. If you want to be successful, you have to go through failure. And Mark certainly had failed, but he came out on the other side, not as a failure, but as a success. Because failing doesn't mean that we can't be successful. Mark shows us that failing doesn't make us a failure. And maybe you've written somebody off today. And well, let me tell you, God never writes us off. Maybe somebody's written you off. God never writes us off. We need to take time to forgive, to encourage, to restore and allow God to restore our lives and allow his restoration power to flow through us, restoring others into useful kingdom work. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. 
And we thank you that just like John Mark, you've given us another chance. You've given us a chance to be restored into your family. You've given us a chance to be made right with you. So, Lord, we're sorry for the times that we've bailed. We're sorry for the times that we've walked away. And we choose to follow you now. If you're here today, and maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord, or maybe you're in the situation that John Mark was in, where you followed for a while, but the cost was too great. You followed for a while, but you turned and went the other way. God is offering you another chance. God is offering you a chance. He says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Won't you take the step and call on Jesus' name today? Won't you call on his name? And say, Jesus, you are my Lord. And I choose to follow you. Father, we're calling on your name. We choose to follow you. Lord, restore us. Restore our hearts. Heal our brokenness. Bring freedom from addiction. Bring healing from the physical ailments that we have, Lord. We choose to follow you. And let us be restorers. Let us be the peacemakers. Your word says that we're blessed when we work for peace. So let us be people who are willing to forgive just as you have forgiven us. Let us extend forgiveness to others and bring peace and bring restoration because we know that you are a God who restores. And we praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.